0: Welcome to the NASCAR Field Filler Podcast. Get all your news, results, and updates on NASCAR every week on this channel. You've tried the best, now here's the rest. Let's fill the last row with our host, Vanilla Wafers. What is up everybody? Welcome to the back of the field. This is Vanilla Wafers and thank you for tuning in too. The Field Filler Podcast. The 2020 season is in the books. We just had our race at Phoenix Raceway, and we have ourselves the 2020 champion, and that is none other than the 2016 Rookie of the Year, Chase Elliott, getting his first championship of his career. Woo! Big victory right there. This has been the first time that I have seen one of my favorite drivers win a championship all the way back from... Well, shoot, actually, I've never seen one of my favorite drivers win a championship. I always was a Jeff Gordon fan, and I started watching in 2002, and I never got to see him win a championship. And then I went for Chase Elliott and then William Byron, and finally Chase Elliott gets his first championship, and probably the first of many Judging by how the 2021 schedule looks like and how well he's done at those certain types of tracks, it's going to be very interesting to see, but let's look at the final results and let's see where the other chase drivers finish, and also, let's look at some ups and downs and what we've learned from the 2020 season. It is time to do a full review of NASCAR. NASCAR. Okay, before we look at the facts in the race, first off, if you are a Chase Elliott fan and you're not from Dawsonville, Georgia, don't worry. You do have a few ways to celebrate Chase Elliott's victory. And by that, I mean, go get some oil from Napa Auto Parts. And then after that, you're going to drink yourself a nice Mountain Dew. Make sure you drink it as fast as possible, like you celebrated a victory, like all the other drivers do. That would be really good. Go to Hooters. If there's not a Hooters in a 100 mile radius like me, just go grab someone else's Hooters. You might get a sexual harassment lawsuit against you, but hey, if you tell the judge that you're celebrating Chase Elliott's victory they might not understand, but still at least you tried. And then lastly, go to Kelly Blue Book and see how much your car is valued at. It's probably going to be valued at right around $900 like my car, but who gives a damn? You're celebrating Chase Elliott's victory! I've already celebrated with three of those sponsors. If you're wondering which one I haven't had yet, it's a Mountain Dew. Um, I did grab someone's Hooters, but it was a guy, so all I got was a black eye out of it, so don't worry. I'm perfectly fine. But other than that, let's look at the final results here at Phoenix Raceway. We had 19 lead changes amongst nine different drivers, only four caution laps for 27 laps, the championship four drivers starting in the first two rows. However, Chase Elliott failed pre-inspection twice, which sent him onto the back, so he looked like the outside looking in on winning this championship because he had Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, and Denny Hamlin leading them off to the green flag while he was back in 39th. By 30 laps for the first competition caution, he was able to move up to the 10th position. And then by the end of stage one, he was right there, right behind Joey Logano, who won the first stage. And then the second stage, Brad Keselowski had the faster car in the end, but everyone knew it was going to be Chase Elliott who was the most dominant factor in this race. He led 153 laps, finished third and second in stage one and two, and he gets the victory as well as a championship For the number nine team, Alan Gustafson and Rick Hendrick, who finally gets his first championship ever since Jimmy Johnson got his seventh championship four years ago. Congratulations to them. They are the 2020 champions. In the second spot, we have the number two of Brad Keselowski. He won the second stage, was able to pass Joey Logano in the final few laps, just wasn't able to keep up with Chase Elliott. In the third spot was stage one winner, the number 22 of Joey Logano, and finishing fourth was the number 11 of Denny Hamlin. 5th place, it was the final race for him, the number 48 of Jimmy Johnson. He rounds out his career with a top 5, which I think was a really good finish for him. Finishing 6th, we have the number 12 of Ryan Blaney. 7th place is the number 4 of Kevin Harvick. 8th place, we have the number 21 of Matt DiBandetto. Ninth place going to William Byron. And also, it was Jack announced final race on top of the pit box. So, he will now be going to the director of competition for Rick Henrik. And rounding out the top 10 was the number 19 of Martin Trex Jr., Finishing 11th, we have the number 18 of Kyle Busch. Finishing 12th is the number 1 of Kurt Busch. Finishing 13th, we have the number 10 of Eric Amarola. 14th is the number 14 of Clint Boyer, who raced his final race in the Cup Series. Finishing 15th is the number 43 of Bubba Wallace. Finishing 16th is the number 88 of Alex Bowman. Finishing 17th, actually the highest finishing rookie. That is the number 95 of Christopher Bell. Finishing 18th is the number 8 of Austin Dillon. Finishing 19th, another rookie. The number 8 of Tyler Reddick. And rounding out the top 20, the number 17 of Chris Buescher. Not really some noticeable drivers who finished around here in the back. We had Matt Kenseth finish 26th, 27th goes to Ricky Stenhouse Jr., 31st goes to the number 96 of Daniel Suarez, the top finishing open charter car, and then we had Ryan Priest with a lot of troubles finishing 34th, and then the field filler, the double zero of Quinn Hoff finishes his last race of the 2020 season, only completing half the laps in the 39th position and by far one of the most infamous field fillers in the last few years. And that is your final results here at Phoenix Raceway. So a few ups and downs from this race. We're going to go through it. Definitely one of the bigger ups was seeing the playoff drivers all be in the top four, all competitive throughout the entire race. Denny Hamlin was the only one who did not lead laps in this race. He just did not look good in the playoff races. Uh, Yeah, he did get that victory at Talladega, but that was really the only time he performed really well. So I really didn't see him run that well in this race. He actually did a lot better than I thought he would. I thought he was going to be around six. 7th to 10th, and it's really cool to see the playoff drivers duke it out there near the front. I mean, it wasn't like one driver took off and stayed away from everyone else. Maybe at the end it was Chase Elliott, but... It really, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, and Chase Elliott were all really close to each other there in the middle of the race. So that was really, really good to see. The down of that is they were such the class of the field that nobody else was a contender to win the race. And we really don't see that too much. I think we saw that in 2018. But before that, you usually have someone like, oh, Jeff Gordon or Kyle Larson that was in there flirting for the victory. And it kind of shook up a little bit of the other playoff drivers. That did not happen in this race at all. Yes, there was multiple leaders in this race, but the one who led the most laps that was not a playoff driver was the number 10 of Eric Amarola with seven laps. That's a bit of a bummer because it's almost like everyone else was almost a field filler in this race. It was like everyone cares about these top four. Who gives a damn about the other guys except Jimmy Johnson because it's his final race. Another down, and I was so afraid that they were going to do this, but at the same time, I'm not surprised, and that is NBC comparing NASCAR to every single sport, every single chance they could. The most cringiest thing I heard was the end of stage one, when they said, this is basically the halftime of NASCAR, and they go into the locker room, or should I say, <laughs> the pit road entrance, to evaluate their cars and see what they need to adjust. I mean, it was just absolutely ridiculous, I, I don't know why they do this. Who do they think they're going to gain from this? Do they really think that they're gaining a bunch of MLB fans who have nothing else better to do? They turn on and they're just like, wow, I can really relate to that. Or someone who's watching a bunch of football games right now. They're just thinking, well, let me tune over to the NASCAR race. Oh, so this is like the halftime. Okay. well, I'm just going to turn on back since this is considered halftime. There's nothing going on right now. Like, like, that's what I really think when I hear this. And I know probably a few of you are already sick of me are uh, complaining about this every single time, but it's so stupid. And by the way, a bum award for Jeff Burton for saying in the middle of the race, really the guy who's going to win the race has speed. Wow. No shit, Sherlock. Of course the guy who has the most speed is going to win the race. Bum award for you. You deserve it. My goodness. NBC Just get it together in the 2021 season. I mean, it's you guys just repeat the same stuff over and over. I do too, but I'm making about like three cents an episode on this. You guys are making a few grand and you have millions of people listening. I mean, you guys got to do a little bit better than me. And then another down that I wanted to talk about was the fact that Phoenix was raced earlier this year, and they're going to keep doing that uh, starting next year. I really feel like the championship racetrack should be one that nobody's went to yet. You can't test on it, and it's a save just for the final race, so people are not 100% prepared or they have an idea on how the racetrack's going to be. I like the idea that Homestead had. You never raced at it at all until that final race. That was really cool to see. Now, granted, the track wasn't the most exciting one to run at. I mean, mile-and-a-half tracks are usually not the best but at the same time Phoenix is not the most exciting one either I mean we only had four cautions in this race and three of them were caused by NASCAR and one was caused by a field filler James Davison which by the way James Davison uh, you're in IndyCar and you're in NASCAR and you're finishing in the back for most of those races my friend thank God you've got sponsorship because that's the only thing that's saving you right now However, going back to this race, this kind of worries me and worries a lot of fans on how Phoenix is as a championship race. It's not the most exciting race in the world, and that's the thing that a lot of people were kind of fearful about this. If you had something like Martinsville or Bristol as a final race, oh, hell yeah. That would be the most exciting thing. However, I do understand why they've done this for Phoenix. Phoenix has done a lot of adjustments for the racetrack. It's really set up for the fans and also it's in a warmer area. But if that's the case, I mean, I would like to pick a track that has a little bit more excitement. Maybe Las Vegas in a sense. I feel like Las Vegas has really been a real good mile and a half track or maybe even Nashville. Nashville's a little bit of a unique track. I mean, you're going to be having the championship ceremony over there. Might as well put it right there. Phoenix, I, I don't know what it is about Phoenix. Phoenix just doesn't seem like the most exciting race. I mean, you don't really see the most passing in the world, and you really don't see too much action compared to other tracks that are about a mile or lower. Maybe a little bit more than Richmond, but Richmond has its own problems that it has to deal with. But for some reason for me personally, uh, Phoenix just does not seem like the most exciting track in the world. We'll see what happens. Maybe next year it's a little bit more exciting, or maybe when they introduce the Gen 7 car. But after seeing this race, I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of battling going on with the Championship 4. Other than that, there wasn't really much other excitement going on. So there's that. Now the Biggest up that came out of this weekend was honestly the fact that Chase Elliott became the champion. Because you want to know something very interesting? I just looked at this. This is a really, really big step for NASCAR. This is almost a passing of the torch, not just to Chase Elliott, but for the new generation of drivers. If you've looked at the last 10 years, all those championship winners have came from the 1999 rookie season to the 2010 rookie season. I mean, look at it. Let's go back. Jimmy Johnson, a 2002 rookie. Then you had Tony Stewart, a 1999 rookie. After that was Brad Keselowski. He was the 2010 rookie. Then in 2013, we had Jimmy Johnson once again. 2014 was was Kevin Harvick, who came in in 2001. 2015 was Kyle Busch. And 2019 was also Kyle Busch. He came in in 2005. 2016, we had Martin Trex Jr. He came in in 2006. 2007, right around there. Then Joey Logano came in in 2009. And then, like I said, just a couple seconds ago, Kyle Busch wins 2019. Nobody has really won the championship who came from the 2010s, who started around that time, except for Chase Elliott. He is the first one, and he was kind of the first one of that youngster movement. I mean, now we kind of see drivers who have an opportunity to really excel in NASCAR, who are not from the early 2000s. I mean, you got Chase Elliott now. You got Kyle Larson coming back. You also have drivers like Bubba Wallace, who's moving to a different team. Christopher Bell's going to be moving up. Tyler Reddick, give him a couple years. You're going to have the rookie Chase Briscoe. You got this whole new movement of young guns that we have been way waiting for a long time. Ryan Blaney's another one. Maybe even Matty Benedetto. This is a big thing for NASCAR and it's a really big step towards the right direction. You want to bring in new fans. You want to bring in kind of like that new setup for racetracks and stuff. You get the new drivers start winning these championships and we get a whole different ball game. And I'm really really excited for this because we've been relying on a lot of the 2,000 drivers and now that they're leaving, we need some newer guys to step in and finally we got someone like Chase Elliott who's been running near the front for so many years finally puts it all together the only thing that this newer generation is missing right now because they got talent don't get me wrong they got a lot of talent they got a lot of money with them they got sponsorship with them they just don't have too much personality i mean chase elliott he's kind of like his father you know, that clean cut driver, but also at the very time, not afraid to be aggressive. Really other drivers like Alex Bowman, William Byron, who I hope that they start doing really good. Ryan Blaney, uh, those guys don't really stand out too much as far as like interviews go or speaking to their personal minds. They're mostly just kind of like almost robotic in a sense. And I hope as time goes by, they start developing their own character. I think that's the only thing missing right now. These drivers need to develop a little bit more character. If someone like Bubba Wallace starts uh, doing really well now, he has a great personality. If Matty Bandetto, everyone loves him. The other drivers, they just need to pick it up a little bit. And if they start developing their own character, that's going to be awesome. But this is really, really big for NASCAR. If Chase Elliott can keep this momentum, which I think he absolutely could, I mean, we have nothing but short tracks and road courses now uh, making up one-third of the schedule instead of like one-eighth of the schedule. So he has an opportunity to go on a big swing like Jeff Gordon or Jimmy Johnson did back in the 90s or 2000s. He has the opportunity to do that. And I hope some other drivers really pick it up as well. But what I'm hoping is the thing that we cannot have right now is someone like Kevin Harvick-Brack Keselowski, Joey Logano, and Denny Hamlin, even though they're great drivers, don't get me wrong, I don't want these drivers to just disappear, I just don't want them to be the only ones dominating the next few years, because then at that point, who do fans have to go for? The guy who couldn't compete against the greats until they retired? Nobody wants that, so just some big things that could be happening in NASCAR, and it could be starting right now after this finish here at Phoenix Raceway with Chase Elliott. All right, we didn't really have too much of a who would be on your fantasy roster um, earlier this week. I wasn't really focusing too much on that. I was just focusing on who would be the one to win the championship. And I said it was going to be Joey Logano was going to edge out Chase Elliott, and then Brad Keselowski and Denny Hamlin. I got Denny Hamlin right, but that was the only thing I got right. Like I said... Never listen to me on these predictions. I might be fairly close, but I'm not going to nail it. And by all means, I did not nail it at all with the top three. Um, I mean, Joey Legano did look good at the beginning, but it was Chase Elliott that was a dominant factor near the end. And then also the other drivers, I mean, Kevin Harvick, I think um, for the fact that he missed the chase, it kind of really messed with him, even though they said it didn't. I mean, he was never really up front, and that's not like Kevin Harvick at Phoenix. He's a dominant force there, and we just didn't see that at all. Same with Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch was running near the top 10, didn't really finish there near the end. I mean, he did hit the wall, so that kind of affected him. But he still got you some good points if he did use in 34 points. Ryan Blaney was a real good one. He actually scored the most stage points out of this race wasn't any of the championship four that's because uh you know uh that stuff didn't apply to them but ryan blaney did get 43 points so if you use them on your fantasy roster a good job for you and then jimmy johnson thank god like i said what a great send off for jimmy johnson to finish in the top five he needed that with the crap luck that he's had this year for him to go out with a top five absolutely great Clint Boyer with a 14th place finish, eh, I mean, he stayed, he kept his nose clean. He wasn't really a top-performing car. But you know what? That's kind of been Clint Boyer. He's been able to do really good at a certain amount of races, but for the most part, he's kind of like Eric Almirola. Right there near the front, right around the top 10 area. That's how he's been throughout his career. A really good, reliable driver to have. I'm really excited to see him in the Fox booth. I think the biggest fantasy bus any out this year was the number 88 of Alex Bowman. I thought he was going to do really good in this race. And he gets a 16th place finish. This is who's going to be taking over the number 48 car. Really? I mean, don't get me wrong, Alex Bowman's actually a really good fit. I think he'll do just fine in that car. But damn, just to be the worst Henrik driver of the weekend. That usually belongs to William Byron, not too much Alex Bowman but it is what it is but that's really all we had really to talk about as far as fantasy um, racing went for these guys I mean we I know not many people were mostly focused on that however we will make sure during the Daytona 500 we'll do a lot of research to make sure when that happens what is that only like 90 days away Pfft, we got plenty of time) <music> And that will conclude the final segment of today's episode and honestly it's going to be the final segment of the 2020 season now don't get me wrong we're not going to end the podcast we're probably going to do a couple episodes i think we're going to go down to once a week However, I do got some special stuff planned for this podcast. I do know that you guys really do like the story telling. I mean, I saw when we did the uh, Spooktober, some of the craziest crashes in NASCAR history, as well as one of the most dangerous racetracks in NASCAR. You guys seem to really like that, and I feel like I'm going to be doing that for certain drivers, maybe the rise and fall of certain drivers. Also, we're probably going to do a look back on the 2020 season, some memorable moments. And then we're also going to keep track of a bit of news. So, the podcast is not going anywhere. It's just going to be a little bit of change for the off season, And I really go- hope you guys stick around and you guys really do enjoy that because it's going to be a lot of fun. But until then, guys, thank you so much for listening to the best and trying out all the rest. I have been able to fill up the last few remaining minutes of your time, so I'm going to take the car and pull it right on into pit road, collect my last place winnings, and I am out. So you all take care. This has been the Field Filler Podcast.